you wrap it enough, it'll definitely it'll stop bleeding. Oh yeah, I, mean, I, I tested it out. I'm just saying, like, if I, like, I was going to cut the circulation off my thumb, maybe a thumb tourniquet. Hello, hey. welcome back to the Shoot, Shovel, and Shut Up podcast. I am Donovan, and I'm Ot, and we are Donovan and Ot. Hey, I like that. Oh, thank you. Repetitive. Yeah. Make sure people don't forget it. Oh yeah. Hey, if you're new to this podcast, um, we kind of make it up on the spot. There's been attempts to organize and uh, come up with a, a script. But to be honest, Donovan and I are both working men. Donovan's also married. I'm and, married. Uh, we, we, we don't have a lot of time. And so uh, this this really kind of devolves into us just getting together. And being like, what are we talking about today? But according to my mother, Susan Greenwood, she prefers the off-the-cuff rather than the plan. Really? So, Mom, this one's for you. Hey, that means we got an official review on that subject, which we did ask. Mm-hmm. She what told you me prefer? today. She yeah. did. All right. Well, that means we got to... We gotta... This one will truly gotta... be off the cuff. It will, because I think I thought about it for about 20 minutes today. I told oh. my fun fact this morning, and mm-hmm. it is nothing of variety, because this is going to yet again be about space, and it will take me 30 seconds to explain, maybe... But it'll be pretty cool. Hey, it's something you can actually look at. Real quick, stop, stop, stop before you go any further, because I, I hate it when we just roll right in from the intro to our fact. I'd like, to, I want to. So, Brayden, would you be able to, Brayden, for those of you who are listening for the first time, is our wonderful, beautiful Jamie uh, producer. So, um, do you think you'd be capable of putting together like an intro, like a little like a cutaway? This is. And now time for the interesting fact segment. Like a little jingle plays. Probably. I don't think we're a very jingle podcast. Oh, dude, I love that. No, are you kidding me? We are not a jingle I mean, podcast. It doesn't have to be. I'm just... Right. <laughs> every single podcast does this. It's just like... It just, I want to have... I've never podcast. once heard a single jingle on the Joe Rogan experience. Or on Jocko's podcast. That's because none of them have segments. They're just conversations. Right. But you, uh, what podcast have you listened Bands. to that has a jingle that goes into it? You, you, you clearly don't listen to many podcasts. I listen to the ones that I think are worth listening to. Well, congratulations. I think most people listen to podcasts that they think are worth listening to. Alright. <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, we can put out a poll and see if we need to put a little uh, intro for our special fact, interesting fact segment. Mayhaps, mayhaps. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a jingle. I'm just saying something that, like, either something, a voiceover or something to be like, and now, presented by... Well, but what do you want to talk about before we go into our fun facts? Nothing, we don't have to, I'm just, I just, the the fact that we go straight from, hey, everybody, all right, our interesting fact today. (laughs) I don't know why, but it gets me every time. All right, well, do you want me to say my fun fact now? Yeah, go for it. Hey, Um, we're, we're starting our fun fact segment now. Uh, so, keep talking. I'm going to be yeah, right back. That's a pretty good intro. Um, so right okay. now, the the International Space Station, we're back on astronomy. The International Space Station uh, can be viewable around maybe like 9 o'clock, I think is the time. Um, so if you download this app, it's called Starfinder. You can go out and view the International Space Station Hold up. pretty much every night. I've gotten a notification from there about every night that it said... That the International Space Station will peak in five minutes, and the app will tell you this. Um, 
Plus, so this is a Starfinder app, but it finds the space station. Right, it's not, it can find anything in space. So it's a, kind of a misleading name. No, it finds stars. Yes, but it finds many other things too. But primarily stars or other things in the space. Oh, um, yes. But the oh, I missed. <laughs> I'm blind in one eye. So the inter, the International Space Station. Did you know it is as big as a soccer field? Wow. And it costs r- roughly $125 billion to build. And it took... One more I think, time, I think it number. took six trips to get the whole thing put together and then just keep adding on to it. It's not owned by, like, one one country or anything or one, like, government. And it's just kind of like they always try to, like, have it manned by at least, like, like one representative from, like, each country. Like, it... That contributes. You gotta look into the International Space Station. Well, There's so many cool fun facts about it. Yeah. But the one that blew my mind was, I did not realize it is as big as a freaking soccer, soccer field. Which is bigger than an American football field. Those it are is huge. Yeah. It is a huge space station. I think so. I think I think soccer fields, you're like, you're, like, what, do you, what, do you, what would you call it? Major League Soccer? <laughs> International Soccer? Oh, Wait, can you look up how big is a soccer field? Because I, like, I think they are. I think it's bigger field. than an American football field, a standard American football field, which is already huge. Because when you think if, about it, they're pretty know, close. I don't know if it's because they don't have the same markings that's making the football field look smaller. But every time I've seen a, a football field, I like it always seems smaller than a soccer field to me. Mm-hmm. 125 meters by 85 meters. Yeah, so yeah, it's bigger. It is longer and wider. Yeah, I would say it's de- it's definitely wider. Yeah, and I didn't know for sure if it'd be longer. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no wonder soccer um, boring. They need to shrink that junk. Yeah, so hopefully, um, by the time this episode gets out, the International Space Station will still be peaking every night. And I've been trying to see it the past four nights, but mm-hmm. it's just been because we live in the oh, rainforest. It's just goodness. been so cloudy and rainy, and you can't see like any of the stars. Um, but the sky was clear today, so if I do end up finding it. I will shoot a little video and send it to our trusty Dusty Braden, and maybe he can post it on the Instagram for y'all to see and enjoy before this cool. episode comes out, because I don't want it to be too late. Yeah. Well, we this this podcast is being recorded Friday, and it's scheduled to release Sunday. So hopefully, if barring no technical difficulties, we should be able to get out there, get it out there to the people oh, who are interested in looking for stars that aren't stars. It's a star in my heart. Oh, I love the International Space Station. <clears throat> so, oh, interesting facts is brought to you by AL81, Kentucky Swamp Water. B A Ginger Ale above. See, Jersey Mike's be a sub above. Yeah, it's, yeah, whatever. <laughs> We're never gonna get sponsored by them. But um, my interesting fact is not really a fact. I want to take inspiration from. Oh, I can't say that because. Never mind. Just say whatever. Well, say whatever you want. This is this is our podcast. That's right. Yeah. Do with it what we will. But it doesn't make sense. Just say it. This is inspired by David Kolb, but the people doesn't know that because this episode's coming out before David Kolb's episode. Well, now the people know. I know. You can go into it now. Well, so thanks, David. Is, thank you, David. So it's inspired by him, where he told a story that also had an interesting fact in it. But it was more of an anecdote. So this is the story of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Do you know what the Edmund Fitzgerald is? 
I've heard of it. Do you know what it is? I don't know off the top of my head. I have But the name is the, the name is familiar. Should yeah, be. the name is yeah. The Especially name is to you familiar. as a music savant. Mm -hmm. Would you count yourself a music savant? Yeah, mostly. I'm not as cultured as some other musicians. I don't really get into all the classical stuff, but I know a good bit about the musical world. Thank you for talking while I had to blow my nose. You're welcome. I would count you as a musical savant. You play the drums. You are competent with the guitar. You can sing. Oh, you sound like Coulter Wall and you want to. Better when than I want to. Better than I want to. Takes a few cigarettes, but I'll get there. Burn a spirit down. <laughs> Burn a spirit down as fast as I can, and then, uh, but those days are behind me. Anyway, <laughs> Elizabeth. Um. So anyway, back to my point. Um. Before I was rudely interrupted by my rip, my by my running nose. Um. The Edmund Fitzgerald, for those of you who don't know, is uh was. That kind of ruins it. A uh, a freighter, a ship. On the Great Lakes. We've talked about the Edmund Fitzgerald. Yeah, you and I have definitely. We, now it's all coming back to me. So it's a ship that sunk uh, in a storm in November, back in '76, I believe. Um, and uh, for the reason I wanted to bring this up was just mostly to bring awareness to the fact that the Great Lakes are huge, and the storms that are caused on the Great Lakes are far more ocean-like than they are lake-like. In fact, it's so bad that there are hundreds of shipwrecks across the, the, the five Great Lakes. Um, one of the reasons why there are so many shipwrecks is that there's a pretty substantial shipping industry up there. I used to live in Wisconsin, for those who don't already know, and um, when I was up there, uh, a lot of times if we wanted to go somewhere that was a bigger city, one of the closer ones was Superior, Wisconsin which is on the shore of Lake Superior. And um, the town of Superior was, be, was became a town because of the shipping industry. Uh, all the coal, uh, no, sorry, not coal. We, 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 don't, we don't have any coal deposits. Uh, the iron ore. So, you know, they had they call the Rust Belt. You ever mm -hmm. heard of the Rust Belt? Yeah. So that's like the industry of Ohio and Pittsburgh uh, where all the steel industry is. Well, that's fueled by the steel fields, the iron fields of northern Minnesota, um, southern Canada, and northern um, North Dakota. So there's a bunch of iron deposits up there, and a lot of mining took place, especially in uh, the um, 20th century. Uh, and so a bunch of iron was being took out of the earth and then being shipped to the westernmost point of Lake Superior, which was Superior and Duluth. Um, and then, so that then then by rail, and then it was being picked up by ships and shipped all the way to like places like Detroit to make cars and whatever, which I think is awesome, very American industry, all mm -hmm. that junk. But the Edmund Fitzgerald was one of the greatest. It at its time was the longest and fastest uh, could haul the most iron ore, um, called taconite. So after they strip the iron out of the ground, they do a, a rough processing, which allows it to be shipped in little pellets. Uh, and they load those pellets onto these iron boats, which are, for all intents and purposes, seaworthy vessels. They're massive. Mm -hmm. um, and then shipped from Lake Superior to Lake Michigan, um, and then most times over to um, Lake Erie. 
where they'd be deposited most of the time in Detroit, Michigan. So because of all this industry, when big storms would come up, especially older boats, were inevitably lost to the storms. Um, and um, But the Edmund Fitzgerald was kind of had, had like a Titanic vibe to it, where people were like, this is, a, this is the newest, fastest ship that we don't foresee it having issue with anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's it would ha- the 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 type of natural disaster. Oh, I'm sorry, everybody. If you can hear that vibration, it's my phone. Lane freaking Gillen Waters calling out the at in most inopportune time. Let's go for it. I don't know what's wrong with it. It ain't got no gas in it. <laughs> anyway, uh, so without getting long winded. Um, the Edmund Fitzgerald was the fastest ship that it, like, they're, they're like, no matter what it goes through, this one's going to make it, you know, Mm -hmm. it's it's new relatively at this point. I think it was, I think it was christened in the mid fifties. It had been setting records its entire career. Now it's the mid seventies. Um, it's still at the height of its game and it's mid November. Most of the shipping industry has come to a halt because it, the, the, the weather gets so bad. It's not the ice. In the lakes, because most of the time the Great Lakes stayed open enough, because they're so big and the water is moving so much that no matter how cold it gets, it's really hard for the whole lake to freeze. So it's not the ice, but it is the wind and the waves and the storms, because we get some really nasty storms on the big lakes up there uh, come November. And uh, but they had this this uh, this is the last trip of the season. They loaded up in Superior uh, and departed. And when they departed, they could look. They were they were looking out to sea. Well, out 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 to the out, lake. Out to lake. Out to lake. And they could see the, the this massive storm front rolling in. And uh, it's like you know thirty degrees and snowing, and and it's the wind is starting to whip. Um, and it makes it. The Edmund Fitzgerald makes it to, I believe, or a day and a half. Through one day, through one night, through the next day, and into the evening. So I guess the evening of the second day. Um, and they're famously um, 15 miles from Whitefish Bay, which is the easternmost part of Lake Superior. As soon as they make Whitefish Bay, one, it's going to be more secluded, so it's not going to be as rough as the open lake. And also... Um, they're really close to the end of their journey, and they can kind of they can shelter there. Uh, but they've had lots of issues. For one thing, um, they were carrying twenty six thousand tons of iron ore. That's a lot of weight, right? Um, and uh, when they were going, the storm was so bad, like they were experiencing twenty some foot waves, they're massive waves, and. Uh, they lost. Um, they they were in radio contact with a ship that was with them, the Arthur M. Anderson. And uh, when they lost radio contact, they could still see the ship lights. The Arthur M. Anderson was just behind them. For whatever reason, I don't know if they had a lighter load or what, but the Arthur M. Anderson was a lighter or an older ship, but it was handling the storm better. And so they were staying behind the Edmund Fitzgerald just in case of need, need of rescue, you know, a rescue mission. Uh, and they so they but they lost radio contact either because the ship's wiring went bad or because the um, you know the radio transmitter was damaged. 
and they lost, but they were able to still communicate via Morse code from lights, and they were communicating back and forth. Well, at some point in the night, all of a sudden, the Edmund Fitzgerald's lights went, you know, they'd, they'd bob down from a wave and then come back up, bob down from, and all of a sudden, they bobbed down and never just never came back. Hmm. And it just, a massive ship just disappeared, you know, and um, there was 29 sailors aboard, and all 29 of them perished in the, in the wreck. And uh, there's a phenomenal song that was written by Canadian singer-songwriter legend Gordon Lightfoot. If you don't know you him, have heard of him, look him up. He's awesome. But my favorite song by him is The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald. Uh, it's, uh, it encapsulates, I believe, the sound of... It doesn't encapsulate it, but it, it, it like gives a sound musically. I believe, to that Great Lakes northern region. That's just eerie and haunting, but beautiful in its own right. And the song tells the whole story of the ship leaving, the conditions, the, the worries of the crew, and then the desperation of the search, and then the, real, the realization, like, man, this is just how life and death goes in the shipping industry on the Great Lakes. So for those of you who out there who thought the Great Lakes were just big lakes, they're actually oceans and, uh, that are fresh water and they kill people um and also this is this is i guess if you want to be picky and say there has to be a fact the fact would be that um oftentimes when ships are lost in like superior because the lake is so cold all the time um the lake is, there's a line in the song that says the lake it is said never gives up or dead when the gales of november come early and the reason that that is said is because it's so cold that when ships go down the corpses stay down they never start decomposing hmm. because uh they're they're, kept, they're preserved, they're preserved. The yeah so they like you like oftentimes after wrecks the bodies start appearing because the, as they de decompose they float but in lake superior they never do that they just stay down there and eventually consumed by the animals that's crazy i did not know that yeah so you, after this uh, podcast, you should uh, look up The Wreck of the Edmund Fitzgerald by Gordon Lightfoot and give it a listen. It's a long song, and it's more of a story than a song, but I love it. I, it was one of the first songs that I actually learned as a little kid, because <laughs> I loved the tune so much. I, would just, I, I didn't know what half the words meant, so I just imita you know, mimicked the sound of yeah. the words, you know, whatever. So not a, not a fun fact, but eerie fact. An eerie fact. It's a good eerie fact. Eerie facts brought to you by A81, Kentucky Swamp Water. A burp from Donnie brought to you by a one. All right. Um. Well, we got that one out of the way. We did. Hey, look at us. I want to talk a little bit, and I'm not a professional on this by any means, but about uh, prepping and bugging out. Interesting. And okay. just different thoughts and opinions on prepping and bugging out. The reason why I want to talk about this, and we had some discussion about this before the podcast, but I was listening uh, to an episode of the Joe Rogan Experience mm -hmm. featuring Mike Glover, and I know there's some contra controversy about Mike Glover, mm -hmm. um, but he just happened to be the guest on, and I'm a fan of the Joe Rogan Experience. Absolutely. Um, and he was the guest on at the time that I was watching this, but he mm -hmm. was talking about how um, as... A prepper, someone who like teaches prepping, and uh, who's really encourages it, and he puts out like a lot of stuff on on like media. Mm -hmm. He's being um, uh, he's being shut down, like his business was being shut down because he's being labeled as like an extremist or like a like a terrorist. 
Yeah, um, because exactly. because he's teaching these skills to people who, and a lot of the people who are shutting him down are finding the skills to be unnecessary. Mm-hmm. And one thing he talks about is in the freeze that happened this last winter in Buffalo, several people um, got snowed in in their vehicles and either froze to death, or I think I think that was the biggest cause of death was either froze to death or um, they didn't have any oxygen in their vehicle and they couldn't yeah. get out. Well, uh, and this, oh, is, this is really important. Uh, this popped in my mind. This could save your life. Never leave your car lo- running for long amounts of time standing still because you will die from carb um, CO um, carbon, carbon monoxide. monoxide. Yeah. So, like that. That if you if your if your car is banked in snow and you're staying warm by keeping it on, then that just becomes a carbon monoxide hot box. Yeah, it'll kill you. So right, yeah, that's, anyway, that's something so, that if they had, you know like had a, a bag or something in their vehicle, something as simple as that, or even just known like the early warning signs of something like that, or just been a, something as simple as like a blanket. Mm-hmm. Um, and the one thing he was saying is like most people like in Alaska, like nobody goes anywhere without having like a blanket in their vehicle. I don't know if the same thing in Wisconsin because it gets really cold. Not Wisconsin. so much a blanket, but we'd, we, we wouldn't like drive to town without having maybe our winter boots on. Or at least our winter boots, bibs, and jacket, hat, and mittens in the car with us. Because yeah. if we had engine trouble and had to walk somewhere, when it's negative 10 out and you're walking in your tennis shoes, you can freeze to death before you get to and the, the, you know somebody who can save you. Like you shelter, know, like unless somebody stops by and helps you out. You know, and, that, and that's not... We, we did live in a pretty rural area, but... W- it's, you know, it's not, but what I'm saying is you don't have to walk very far to be in serious threat of yeah. freezing when it gets cold enough. So, yeah, when we were in Wisconsin, I mean, we wouldn't necessarily bring a blanket, but it's a good idea, but we definitely brought our snow clothes. Yeah. Um, but I think one thing, because I just kind of want to talk about a few things that I took away from mm-hmm. the podcast that I'm going to start, like, implementing in my life is one, having, like, like a bag in my vehicle, and I want to discuss, like, different things that, that we can have in our bag just mm. based off of, and it's not going to be the same thing because it's going to differ like where you live if you live more in like the city like a warmer city or mm-hmm. like in the um like in more of like an urban or like a like more like we live in a small mountain town like what right. are we going to need for then um but also the basic skills i think everybody needs to know which he's actually getting shut down for teaching this which is like like using a tourniquet or something which are like people are saying like when are you going to need a tourniquet They're, you're training people to like being gunfights and being like militias and stuff, but like surprise, actually, you may never like. Yes, absolutely. No, no, quick on We are training people to be in gunfights. I gotta get up and walk out. You cut me off warm. Uh, dude, you can get all pissed off about it. Okay, if you want, Mister Sassy Pass. Just quick, comment below. Comment below if you think I cut him off too much. I would love to see that. I mean, it would be more comments. So, yeah, there would be more comments, but you're going to lose that one. Um, but anyway, because uh, you never know, like, you may be in an instance where, like, you get in a car wreck, break your, le- your leg, you're bleeding from a femoral artery, mm-hmm. you're dead in minutes. But if somebody knows how to use a tourniquet, like, that could save your life. And I think it would be ignorant to assume that you are never going to have to use something like that. Yeah. Well, and also, it's not like gunshot wounds are the only use for tourniquets. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a nasty cut on your leg. Or, like, I remember, this is a movie, but uh, in the movie um, Hacksaw Ridge, which is a war movie, but in the beginning of the movie, this guy gets his leg 
uh, pinned under a vehicle and there's a nasty cut in it and you know the main character puts a tourniquet on the guy's leg so they can get him to the hospital you know so it's, it, a tourniquet is valuable outside of combat yeah and so just good knowledge and also one of the things that makes america awesome is this idea of i don't care what you think i need or not if i think i need it i have the right to go after it so long as it doesn't impede somebody else pursuing their own life liberty and ha pursuit of happiness right mm -hmm. and so if um who's who, so is it the government shutting him down who labeled him a terrorist um i don't remember exactly who um bring could you uh maybe find an article or something about uh mike glover being labeled as a terrorist i think a domestic terrorist yeah, domestic terrorist. Um, yeah, I don't remember exactly what organization it was, but I know like there he has like a Shopify that got mm -hmm. shut down, and so like his business wasn't getting any income. They shut down his website, his Twitter page, and like while the, all of this is going on, um, he brought the point like the Taliban has a Twitter account that has a blue check beside it that is still active to this day. So part of it was like private. Well, I guess private's the wrong word, but part some of it was media. Yeah, and some of it was government. Yeah, and so he's kind of going, like, the direction he's going, which I think this is where it does get Hold on, the Taliban legit. The Taliban has a blue check mark by their name on Twitter. But is it, like, legit the Taliban, or is it some it's, mark? It is the Taliban. Oh, my gosh. Um, but you, kind of the direction he's going with it is he thinks that, he, he said he's talking to a few other, like, buddies that he, like, served in the military with, but he thinks that because he's teaching people how to um, live... Uh, independently from the government and because he goes his whole like idea behind his business is you are your own first responder mm -hmm. it's not relying on the police for anything or relying on the police to save you um, but it's being ready for any situation if you have to face it yourself you know you're going to be alright with it just because that's what that's how he lived in the special forces that's how he's choosing to live as a civilian um, but just he thinks that he's getting shut down because he's teaching people how to be independent. Mm. It's his whole thing. Um, but that's kind of encouraged me to be like, man, I, there are so many situations that I can think of where if like the crap hit the fan mm -hmm. or if I was in a situation where my car broke down and I was stuck, didn't have any food or water, like, I don't know if I would be okay. And right. so just thinking even just to the smallest stuff, like what are some things that like you would like to implement to, mm -hmm be just more prepared daily like me personally or yeah. our listeners yeah yeah okay well yeah no that's a great question and what this is a a really practical example maybe and not quite so much i think a lot of times when we think about go bags you know like like when we think about preppers we think about crazy people who yeah. don't interact with society much have an unrealistic expectation of the worst and live their lives based around that unrealistic expectation and that's not to say that an expectation for the worst case scenario is wrong, but I think you put too much emphasis on it and how you organize the uh, the, the resources of your life, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, but a small example of just like practical steps of being prepared is today, like what I do, I work as in an office, right? That doesn't require much, like cross country gear, let's mm -hmm. say, you know, as as maybe one of our technicians. Who might be walking around on a job site that's all mud yeah but i do have to go visit job sites 
And also, I like doing outdoor things, so I always keep my muck boots in my van. And when I, uh, so today I went to uh, check in on a job site, and sure enough, the thing is a, because of all the rain we've been getting, a lake. Yeah. And I've got these really nice speed cross four Solomons. Last thing I want to do is walk through a lake in these. One, because I'm getting my feet wet. And two, because I don't want to clean these and uh, try and keep them nice. And so um, I was able to just kick off my shoes and put on my muck boots. And one of the things that I got from that is um, where I learned that lesson. Um, I have to talk to the audience now because Donovan's answering a text on his watch. Sorry, it's my wife. Oh, man. Uh, so, um, but uh, what I learned that was, like, I learned that lesson being in Wisconsin, where if we had gotten stuck, we would have needed more than just tennis shoes to walk our way out. Yeah. And that's a lesson that, like, I don't use that very much, but it was very handy today. So it's a small, just example of, like, there, there can be really practical, small things that you keep in a go, a go bag, just a prep bag of, like, a change of clothes, uh, maybe a heavy jacket, your rain jacket. Like a case of water. Um, yeah, uh, like not just a bottle, but like maybe a gallon. A gallon jug of water. Mm -hmm. um, uh, things that I think of, I keep in my car, I keep a hatchet in my car. Mm -hmm. uh, just it's, it's, it's handy to have a hatchet. Yeah, I have a kukri that I keep in mind. And for those of you uninitiated, kukri is the coolest of knives. It is a very cool knife. Link in the description. Kukri knives. Um, some things I think that everyone should keep is um, first aid. In their car? Yeah. I Grab sure. that. Yeah, we were going to talk about that the other day. We never got the chance. Uh, I got a boo-boo on my thumb at work last week, and I knew exactly where this was. This thing's actually really nice. My brother got me this for uh, Christmas, but you just undo the buckle, mm -hmm. and then... Oh, this is embarrassing. I was holding it the wrong way. Wow. So it, it can, like, strap up to, like, a thing, and it has a tearaway, so all you got to do is undo the buckle, and then you can, like, quickly remove it from... Whatever, whatever it's attached to. Fast. Um, that's, that's cool. That's like that. nice and easy to go. I think this might have cost like 30 bucks. And what's all in it? Uh, oh, we got to get in this, man. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, listeners, this is a good time to shift over to our YouTube section so you can watch the video. We got rain ponchos, band-aids, little stretchy rubber band thing you can use, I guess, as a tourniquet. Uh, I wouldn't... Well, I mean, maybe to hold the tourniquet in place. I wouldn't use that as a tourniquet. Oh, if you wrap it enough, it'll definitely, it'll stop bleeding. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I, I tested it out. I'm just saying, like, if I, I thought I was going to cut the circulation off my thumb. Maybe a thumb tourniquet, then. No, it'll, it'll work on your leg. This will not work on your leg. It will. Don't listen to Donovan. Your leg. Here's a, it's flint and steel. Your flashlight. A compass. Some, uh, like, gauze tape. Mm-hmm. Q-tips, a little bit of my blood from the other day. Real quick, I got, I got a challenge. Some triangular bandage. Uh, next time that the, the Quantico guys come down to do, do the training, I'll give you $15. If you walk up to one of them and say, this is my tourniquet. I mean, it's the tourniquet thing. I have another tourniquet. Do you have a real one? Yeah, I have a real one. Where is it at? It's in my truck. Oh, okay. So now, does this thing If I had to use this though, I totally would. You'd bleed to death. No, man. I mean, I can get it on your finger, but that's, there's no way that thing will stop the circulation of your arteries in your leg. 
If you're so confident, wrap it around your leg. I will. The people just listening on Spotify are going to be so confused. <laughs> we got tweezers while he's doing that. We're doing it through your pants. What am, I, what am I supposed to do? Take your my pants off. You you pee because <laughs> since I have since I have I will have all the time to take a pants off if I have a gunshot wound. Well, I'd be and cut your pants off with this knife. No, I don't want to cut my pants off because they're nice pants. Oh yeah. yeah. So far, this has been everything I needed it to be. I can't believe you actually have this much confidence in this thing. I don't. I just need to get your pants off. Oh. And you're very argumentative sometimes, and I like to instigate. I'm very argumentative sometimes. Yeah, I was perfectly happy with just revealing my tourniquet, and you're like, "This is not a tourniquet. This thing, like, at the." <laughs> uh, we got safety pins. I love every part about this. You're welcome, everybody, for the crackling, except for this thing. And how do you how, how do you secure it? You just tie it. You just, it stretches. It gets, even, it gets so much you worse. Just keep wrapping it. Now, and now it, it sticks to itself. I see. I like see. When it stretches out, it'll stick to itself. I'm so glad that we finally got in an argument. I've been wanting to argue with you on this podcast since we day one. But anyway, I can totally see if you like break a finger, and you need to use a non-broken finger to like splint that finger. One hundred percent. If you need to look like Rambo, and tie it around your head like this. You look just like Rambo. Right? Just like him. Anyway, uh, but a tourniquet, you die. Well, you don't have to use it. I wouldn't. I would rather be now. I'm gonna not use this on you. Uh, thank you. He'll save my life. Use your, use your truck tourniquet. Bro, this would totally work though. No, because okay, when you put a tourniquet on correctly on your leg, it you you people people have said that it feels worse than the gunshot wound. There's no way that could cut off circulation to my femoral artery. Oh, definitely could. I just tried. You tried. Put it on me. No, I need to. Okay. Are you worried you're going to be proven wrong? No, man. I don't want to touch your thigh. I thought you wanted to take my pants off. No, man. Anyway, comment below. One, here's your instructions as listeners. Do I interrupt Donnie too much? And uh, two, which I definitely do. Uh, two, um, is this little blue piece of ribbon. Uh, it's actually a very stretchy rubber piece. And I think Oren didn't use it properly. He doesn't know how. Yeah, I'll stick with the actual tourniquet. Um I can't believe you called that a tourniquet. Does, does this pack call it a tourniquet? I didn't call it a good tourniquet. <laughs> the only worthwhile tourniquet is a good tourniquet. No, that'll work. That'll definitely work. I'm going to show this. Uh, I'm so disappointed in you right now. Do you need the satisfaction of being right? No. I need, I'm worried that you're going to be shot one day and you will be like, Oh, I'm good. I've got my little blue band and then you're going to bleed out on your way to the hospital. No, see, that's stuff will get you cancer. I'll get in a car wreck, yeah. and then be bleeding out. Oh, that's And right. then need my right. little blue tourniquet. And you're still going to bleed out and die. No, nah, man. Oh. Okay. Go ahead. Go ahead. Get that out of the way. Yeah, bug out bags.
they're valuable. Uh, people, uh, <laughs> we've gone down a massive rabbit trail, but like people make prepping and doomsday prepping all that kind of stuff to be this big crazy thing. But I think it's a really like rational thing to do, so long as it's tempered by I think reality. Yeah. If you're putting more thought into this, can go into uh, like worldview conversation of you know is it an idol? You know, I know plenty of people who prepping is like their idol being prepared for unstable times like they can't give that reality to the lord and say you know what ultimately he commands my future and my destiny yeah and there's nothing i can do to change that but i think there's also the other side of the coin where you go okay since that some people are just like i'm just going to go about my day and i'm not going to be prepared for anything and i think especially for us as men we have a responsibility to be prepared like Understand how your car works. No, like, I carry an extra quart of oil with me all the time, just in case. Now, I, my car also leaks a little oil, so that's why I do. Yeah. But I so recommend any... So prep. Yeah, so I recommend everybody carry around an extra quart of oil, because you never know if you need to throw some in your engine so it doesn't burn out. You never know. Yeah, so or in somebody some... else's engine. Yeah. Um, know what kind of oil you got in your engine. Know if it's uh, synthetic or not, you know, because you don't want to mix the two. Mm-hmm. Um, Know, um, know how to check the fluids in general on your vehicle. Brake fluid's really important. If you don't have brake fluid, you're going to crash. Yeah. Uh, you know, so they, and these are all just really tangible, ex- like, oh, carry some, some food bars, you know, some granola bars, some cliff bars, whatever in your car. Keep water on you. Stay hydrated. You know, I, I carry an algae everywhere I go, and in my car I keep a gallon of water. And I drink way more water now because of it. Mm-hmm. And so all of those are examples, excuse me, of prepping. And so I think if once people get around their head that prepping doesn't just have to be what crazy supreme alt right people do in their free time, um, it's something that everyone can do, and it's really valuable. You know, what are you what are you going to do? Like, would you rather be the person who gets caught on the side of the road and then is forced to call nine one one because there's nothing else they can do? Or somebody who call like if I okay if I get into a wreck or I have serious car trouble on the side of the road I'm calling the tow truck or I'm calling nine one one whatever like I'm probably going going to mm-hmm. but I'm also going to start trying to diagnose the problem and get, be in the best situation I can be by the time they arrive and if it's a really bad car wreck and you get hurt do you want to wait the <laughs> the eight to twelve minutes which is the average response time for yeah. a police officer or EMT to come and stop your bleeding or patch your wounds or do you want to know how to do it? Yeah, in, in the moment. There's nothing wrong with using modern response, to, you know, technology and, and systems. Right. There's nothing wrong with it. Some people think there is. I'm like, hey, it's there. You should use it. Yeah. But does that 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 does not remove you from the equation? Yeah. Like, if you're if you're by yourself and you get in a crash, you are the first responder. Yeah. You, you are the first and the only person there, and so you can only assume. And you're going to be for a while. Yeah, like you, you said the average time is forever. Yeah, you can only assume that the, the people coming in the next 8 to 12 minutes, they probably wish that they were there when it happened. Mm-hmm. and Or that somebody who knew what they were doing was there when it happened because it could save lives. Yeah, or make the situation easier. You know, yeah. like when I, was, when, I, when I was right next to that wreck um, on, on 75 heading south, uh, and, uh, you know, I was able to um, stop traffic and then move a bunch of debris off the road. So there wasn't additional accidents. Mm-hmm. I was able to free up traffic 
so that the first responders could get there faster. You know, it's, if, if I had just not cared, you know, it, it just, it helps everybody else out. Um, a prepared person is, kind of like Camden said, I think it was Camden saying this on the last episode, where he said, um, a strong person, a, a weak person is capable of being happy, but a strong person is always going to be happier. It's kind of a similar deal where uh, a person can survive um, a deadly encounter, say in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. But a prepared person is going to survive that exact same situation better. Yeah, every time. And so, wouldn't you rather be the prepared person? I'd choose that one. Um, and especially now, I mean, you're married, and I would like to be one day. And so, when when I am married, I want to be able to. I want my family to be able to feel safe, knowing that if we're in a crisis, that I'm at least prepared to think about contingencies. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm sure you you know you want your wife to have confidence that if a, a crazy thing ha- comes up, she doesn't have to make all the decisions. She can trust that you are going to do your best to be prepared, and then if that happens, to take charge and make sure that you and her make it out of whatever that situation is. Oh yeah. And if you're not pre- prepping for those situations, you're not going to be ready to do that. Yeah, I like what you said too about. Like, some people turn, like, prepping into an idol. Like, mm-hmm. there's a bunch of people, like, have this, like, decked out truck or, like, decked out forerunner or something. And they will spend, a hun- like, hundreds of thousands of dollars. But then it's, like, like, how far, like, how much gas do you have in that truck? It's only going to be, because in, like, a doomsday situation that those people are probably planning for, you know, assume that eventually you're going to run out of gas. Yeah. Gas stations are not going to be open, probably. And you can maybe make it 350 miles. But then what? You have this hundreds of thousands of dollars that you spent working out this big old truck or something to have everything that you need to survive a situation. And what are you going to do when it runs out of gas? Like pull it behind you? No, that's not going to work. (laughs) It's like prepping became a a, a style choice. Exactly. This is my prepping truck. These are my prepping clothes. Yeah. This is something I I mean, this is like similar, similar topic, but, um, it's the same idea, but used in a different way. Like I used to pick my clothes based off of like what I would see. This is what an, a military person looks like, not in uniform. This is what a special operator looks like, but when they're not in uniform. And I'd try and wear those clothes. It's all cool pants. That's right. But then I realized, which I definitely still wear cool pants because they're the the best pants out there. But I got my first pair two days ago, and and I've worn them the last two days. I'm not wearing them currently. I'm wearing them. Which is such a shame. Well, they had had work schmutz on them. Oh, that's right. You went and tore out that grease drain, right? I did. Yeah. I, I don't blame you. Anyway, um, but like that, that eventually that's self-defeating, that idea, right? Because functionally, people know what that look looks like. So even though it looks undescript, everyone looks and goes, oh, look at that flannel and those cool pants and the wraparound sunglasses and the ball cap and the, you know, the tactical-ish backpack. Yeah. That person carries a gun. Definitely. And so, to, to like, okay, yes. And I, I'm, I'm over there just saying, oh, yeah, you should never open carry because open carrying puts a target on your back. So does dressing like that. Uh, so dress like somebody who um, doesn't know a lot about guns. You know, dress kind of like, for me, I try and dress like a, 
office nerd, you know, and so, but then I carry myself with confidence. You know, there's balance too. You don't want to look like a target either. Yeah, I dress so. like a teenage boy, and I look like a teenage boy. Well, you do work at a camp that facilitates teenagers, so. Sometimes I wear high tops. Right now I'm wearing blundstones, despite what people think about whether they're men's shoes or women's shoes. Well, if you're in Australia, they're everyone's shoes, but particularly manly. We're taking them back from the white woman in America. In America, though, they're white women's shoes. In America, yes. Bring and back blue-collar blundstones. I don't think I can overcome that. No. It's kind of like what white women did to the duck boot. Those used to be like the most masculine hunting piece of footwear, and now they're what white girls wear to get Starbucks. Yeah. It's what's happening to Carhartt. Yeah. And Carhartt is leaning into it. Where they are. I'm sorry for all the disgusting no- nose noises you guys are hearing, but I've, I'm draining. Um, but like Carhartt, for instance, I don't, what, what actually shifted me from, I used to wear Carhartt everything. What shifted me from Carhartt was during the, uh, the COVID pandemic. Um, the, they, um, and the vaccine mandate started coming out. Carhartt voluntarily fired all of their employees who did not want to get vaccinated. And I said, all right, well, I started getting, I was like, I've I've been getting to the point to where I don't want to wear your stuff anymore because they are uh, being worn by college frat kids everywhere. But now I really don't want to wear your stuff because now you have the same politics as those frat kids. Mm -hmm. So now I got to wear cool. Which I don't know their politics as well, but I like that. I like a company that's not vocal about their politics. Yeah. And they're just like, we're going to make good stuff for people who do adventurous stuff. And they do. But uh, link in the description below to the cool website because you should go check their stuff out. It's expensive, not going to lie. But you're, you are, if you, when you put the research into the kind of stuff that they make and you get the kind of pair of pants, they make hundreds, I think, almost, maybe it's exaggerating, but definitely dozens of different styles of pants. It's relaxed. It's work pants. They've got hiking pants. They've got adventure pants. You know, and they've got heavy duty. Like I think you bought what was it? The above the I law. The above the law, which I think you are maybe bulletproof. Chock full of zipper pockets. They have ventilation zippers on the sides. They're three um, layered too, aren't they? I so, think at the at the on the front of them they're three layered. Yeah, right. That's what I mean. Um, so yeah, so, triple pleated knees. Um, and double they, they have, heart pants can eat their heart out. They have buttons at the bottom to where if you don't want them so baggy around your ankle, you can oh. like strap them to where they'll they'll be a little tighter around the ankle. Yeah, um, they're cool. so nice. The ones the ones I have also have like a wax finish on them, so water just kind of beads off of them. Like it's so good. So they have awesome work pants like that, which are you know work pants in the extreme. Uh, they'd be almost uncomfortable to wear in a casual setting. Uh, but then you've got uh, so my pants are that I've bought three pair I think at this at this point of the law. They got three of them. They got the lawless. They got the the law, and then they have yours the above, above the, the law. law. And they get more intense each time. So mine are kind of like Cool's version of um, Carhartt's double fronted Carhartt pants. They fit me great. Um, uh, but then they've also got you know the, I think one of their models like the. Uh, the Rider and the Renegade. Those are some looser, like, hiking. They're quick-dry. Yeah. They just make good stuff. They make shorts. They make polos. They make, like, dressy yeah. dress pants. Like, if you want to go to a... Bi- like, if you've got business meetings you need to go to, but, you, like, you wear a button-up and then a cool jacket over, they look good. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. So yeah, the next pants I want to buy, they have a, a version called Radical. Yeah, Radical. That's one of they're great. Free Radical. They've got Free Radical, and I think those are like the the more quick dry loose material. Yeah. And they got the Radical. All right, but if anybody wants to send me this, mm-hmm. Cool has something called Cool the Flight trademark suit that is pretty much a, it is a onesie with a hood. I've seen that. Link in the description. For the I want the navy blue one. What's your size? Medium. I, I would wear a medium. Have you looked at it? I've seen them. It's not going to lie. I looked at it and I kind of want to buy it. And the description says, get back to your roots with comfort and performance. You, you had footy pajamas as a kid, right? Heck yeah, I did. Were they zip up the middle? Probably. Women, shut your ears. When I was a kid, my dad was dressing me for, for bed. I was like a toddler. And this a toddler? Yeah, this this was this was burned in my mind. I don't know how I remember it because I was so young. But you know, I'm not wearing underwear to bed, but I'm wearing my footy pajamas, which are full body zip ups, right? Mm-hmm. And my little my little pecker, the zipper goes below the pecker, right? And so my dad's zipping up the pajamas, and he goes zip really fast. And I looked down, and my pecker's sticking out. The zipper. It just got completely pinched. And there was this moment where both of us just went... And then I freaked out. And that's How all old were you? I think I was like four. Three or four. Was that completely necessary to share? Yeah. Okay. Now, I mean, the fact that you question that makes... You surprise me on this podcast at times. Oh, like, I feel like we're on the same page. <laughs> People need to hear about your father zipping up your pecker in your in your onesie pajamas when you're four years old because you didn't sleep with underwear on. Yeah. All right. Dude, well, that's that's the, the fact episode. That you didn't find that hilarious, and now you're trying to end the episode is deeply offensive I was to like, me. Like, why are we talking about this? <laughs> you kind of tried to stop me, but you let it happen. <laughs> I knew there was. Nothing that I could say would stop you mid sentence. <laughs> well, uh, whatever. Anyway, mm. yeah, I think it's a good ending. Well, thank you all for listening. Uh, hey, if you've uh, if you've got stories, I've heard many stories of other people as children who have had been victims of zippers on onesie pajamas. So, Man, uh, if you are out there and you have experienced similar things, hit us up. Because you're not alone. Let us know if that's happened to you. Also, let us know if Orin cuts me off too much. Which I do. And there's, you did, actually did like 10 seconds ago. And there was one other thing. Well, see, you should take notes and try to do it to me. And let me know if you uh, think that my tourniquet is but it's not. a good tourniquet. It's not even a tourniquet, let alone a bad one. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to... Uh, the invite segment of the Shoot, Shovel, and Shut Up podcast. Uh, next, we would like to invite uh, our good friend, Oren's roommate. He is an electrician um, apprentice. Um, but and I don't know if we've invited him before, but so we're going to invite him again. His name no. is Josh Long. Uh, Josh, if you don't listen to the podcast, uh, we'll find out sooner or later. Um, yeah, get on the podcast. We did try to invite him before. And I, in fact, I tried to invite him before, and then you looked at me and said, why in the world would we do that? No, I love Josh Long. Well, now you say that. Listen to episode two and see what you said about him. He's been officially invited. He knows how I feel about him. <laughs> Not if you listen to episode two. He's a little confused. No, he knows. 